This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Welcome to Dreamland. We've got a lovely show today. We spend a lot of time talking about the scary aspects of the visitors and the dangerous part of this experience and people having hard times, etc. Not everybody's in that space. In fact, a lot of you are not in that space. I'm in it and out of it. I'm in all the spaces. <laughs> I've had all of it happen to me, and which is fine. Uh, but today we've got someone who's been a guest on the show before. He's written a delightful book about the universe. It is called The Universe Loves You. Very different vision from what we've heard a lot recently. Have you ever wondered about intelligent life? Do you want to communicate? Do you believe that the universe is a friendly and loving place that wants you to help you grow and evolve? That's the blurb on Amazon for John Martin's new book, The Universe Loves You. John Martin's been on Dreamland recently, and it was a lovely experience in part because he's a wonderful guitarist, a wonderful classical guitarist. He's a great raconteur, and he has lots of contact, and it has grown and developed. And it seems to me, as John, if I may ask you this, as I can find the stream, there we are. Um, okay, welcome to the show, John. Hey, Whitley, it's a pleasure to be here today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back. And with your new book, The Universe Loves You, it's such a, uh, it, it gave me a real lift. And incidentally, folks, I can't obviously review the book on Amazon. I mean, that's out. Uh, I don't, I can't do that. And, but you can, if you read it, if you buy it and you like it and you read it, do, do give them a review. Uh, and because um, uh, that helps a lot on Amazon. In any case, uh, John, you decide to write a book. You've been doing this now for how many years? It's been 10 years now. 10 years. And tell us exactly what you do, what it is that you do. Uh, as you said, I'm a classically trained guitarist, and <clears throat> I've been playing guitar for over 50 years now. And um, I've played for many people from uh, school children to family to uh, corporate events to presidents. And I've decided to include our, our star family. Uh, and what I did was uh, I had dinner with President Carter and he spoke of UFOs. And, and uh, it was a lovely dinner in Spain that we discussed last time. And I just felt like uh, between that and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where you use music as a communication tool, I thought I'd go out on my deck and perform this music that I've played my whole life into the universe. And I just felt it was important to wrap the experience in love and positive thought and send it deep into the universe. And I didn't know how to do it, but I did it anyway. And That's the human condition, boy. Don't know how to do it, but do it anyway. That was practically Anne's lifestyle. Go ahead. Oh, that makes me very happy to hear that. But yeah. absolutely, just try new things. That's that's one of the main things that that I like to share. Is you know, people say try is 
a half measure, but it's not. It's a stretching of who you are. And so try something new. And that's what I did. And Whitley, within two or three sessions of uh, me doing this with this attitude of uh, sending out positive thought and love and then send it deep throughout the universe and through all the dimensions. And it it uh, resonated uh, with the universe and this beautiful purple plasma craft with a pink ring around bottom third of the bell came over my home. Uh, I was walking my dog. Uh, I just finished playing and I walked back in to the neighborhood and it was sitting directly over our home. And I ran in and got Karen and all the alarms in the house were going off. And that was Karen is your wife. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she came out and uh, she was in a robe and <laughs> she was just sitting there staring at the ceiling. What is that? And it was had this beautiful feminine energy to it. Whitley. It was silent, about 50 feet above our home. Now, we live in a row of townhomes here in Sandy Springs, and it was directly over our uh, our townhome. And then it just slowly went away about five miles an hour and left. And I had my camera, as I, as I told you, and it, I couldn't get it to come out of sleep mode. And as soon as it passed the tree line, it popped up. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, you were... You were being you were being summoned and responded to, but uh, things are not going to go as quickly. They're very careful. They are they are absolutely careful. Well, let, before we go on, though, let's go back to Jimmy Carter. And I know we talked talked a little bit about Jimmy Carter in the last show, but after that show, I got some commentary that after he was briefed, Jimmy Carter had wept. Uh, after he was briefed about UFOs, he was, you know, he went into office saying he was going to tell the whole story and find out what the government knew. And he, and then he came out of office. And when Stanton Friedman asked him about them, he said, I won't, I, I won't talk about them. And yet, but you had a very different experience. What was your experience with Jimmy Carter and talking about this subject? He's such a, a deep thinker, Whitley. I mean, you can discuss any subject we talked about, uh, the different wines that he loved and books that were very deeply important to him, art and music. And the person next to me asked him first, if he could call him Jimmy and then asked about his UFO experiences. And we were all kind of horrified. I said, Oh man, you know, I'd never call. I'm always calling president Carter, but he said, yeah, you can call me Jimmy. And, and uh, it was in the sixties. He just went right into the story that he was, uh, outside a Lions Club meeting that he was going to give a speech at. And there was this incredible uh, energy up in the sky. It came towards them and then it receded. He said, I couldn't explain it. And it was nothing conventional. And it was just an absolutely amazing experience. So he was very open. And in the book, I actually wrote to President Carter about my UFO experiences. I felt, you know, he is getting towards the very end of his life now. And I wanted to share that with him while he's still here. And he wrote a lovely note back and it's, it's within the book itself. And uh, he said, thank you for the CD and the, this wonderful narrative. And uh, that was just great inspiration to me, Whitley. And that's, that's really propelled me forward. And, and uh, in my journey here, I actually, Recently just made a, a special CD. I've made many CDs for President Carter and I send them to him and I 
I got a letter saying, hey, I'm enjoying your CD on my iPod, which I thought was cool. So yeah. he's actually in hospice now. And so I made a special CD for him and sent it to the Carter Center and they forwarded it down to Plains and I got a lovely note pack. So I'm hoping he's enjoying some some music now. Well, that's just beautiful. Um, you know, you have a, you have a, you're a very interesting man. You have a, a lot of, of just openness and respect for people in general. Uh, you're not you're not generally unkind to people. Uh, you have that you have a, a a very positive attitude. You go into a relationship expecting it to work. Absolutely right. Yeah, right. because I've had I've had many things that have gone sideways in my life that, and you learn from each of those. And um, you know, I try to bring my very best to everything I do. And you know, I was the editor of a guitar magazine out of Italy. I loved that job. And, I, you know, I interacted with some of the greatest musicians in the world. I would put out a magazine with a CD and I'd make uh, an enhanced CD with videos in them. And, and so that's kind of carrying the book. I wanted to make it very interactive. There's hyperlinks where you can go online and, and it bolsters the narrative. And that's what I felt. I really wanted to do with this book that I've just written. Yeah, folks, uh, we're getting a little bit of breakup. There's been a lot of problems with this in the last few weeks because we were recording this during an extraordinary heat wave and uh, the, the planet wide. And this is apparently affecting communications to a degree. So I apologize for that. We're just going to work through it as best we can. Um, now the, so you have, you, you, you take a different attitude. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, there's plenty of evidence that the military has had a truly horrible time with this, that they've been shooter, they've shot at them and they've gotten shot at back and it's really been nasty. And, um, they, the Air Force is, to put it mildly, up in arms about this whole disclosure process and mm -hmm. doing everything they can to derail it from behind the scenes, threatening and intimidating people. There's going to be a hearing. Or, this is Tuesday, uh, the 25th of July, on the 27th of July. And some of the witnesses that were going to appear at that hearing have been intimidated by being subjected to eight hour long interrogations within the Pentagon prior, uh, simply because they agreed to be in this program and on the, with the Congress. And uh, this is totally illegal, but it is so important to the insiders to keep this secret that they are willing to to disobey the law in order to do so op almost openly disobey the law and certainly openly as far as congress is concerned because congress congressmen involved know all about what's going on behind the scenes sure. right now there were supposed to be six witnesses at the hearing right now there are only three and they're witnesses who are already well known to the public We'll see what happens because as I speak, there's a lot of maneuvering going on back behind the scenes. 
But what is this about, John, in your opinion? And I'm just asking here because you can't. You're not an insider. You can't know. But you're like most of us in the experiencer movement and groups. You're more of an insider than anyone in the military could ever be. Because it's one thing to be shooting at someone and another thing to be loving on them. There's a difference. That's right. So what is your opinion here of how might we somehow build a bridge instead of widening the gap? Well, you know, it goes very far back in my family. And as I discovered in your family as well, um, yeah, yeah. my dad was an aeronautical engineer with Lockheed and I was taken in. Uh, I, I, am, I feel sure to become a part of this program that uh, you told me that you were in and that scuttled my father's very important career because he chose not to have me included. And so, uh, you know, I've seen that aspect of it and, you know, I, I see them as I think, as you said, they reflect back what we give to them. So if you're violent and if, if you are aggressive, they can match that very easily. If you're loving and, and caring and, uh, you know, you bring your best energies, they are more than happy and willing to do that. And that's really all I've seen because that's what I project. And, I, you know, I think the military can learn from us that, you know, if you want good results, you need to treat them as you would treat your own family because that's who they really are. Let's take a little break right now uh, for the free side of the show. Um, we'll be right back. We're talking to John Martin, his new book, The Universe Loves You. If you love it, review it on Amazon. Uh, John, where can we find you on the internet? Because there's quite a few places, but primarily. Yeah. Uh, I my main site is YouTube, John Martin, UFO and ET Intelligences. And I have over 200 compilation videos um, posted there from the last, uh, I guess, three or four years now. Um, you know, I've had many experiences going back 10 years, but I actively started uh, filming about three or four years ago. And that was a process of trying to learn how to do it equipment that I needed, how best to do it. I, you have to, I asked permission first, of course, and they agreed to let me do that. And they've, they've just been spectacular, Whitley, and on our interactions. I feel it's beyond the CE5. This is a CE6 where we both bring our best energies to this and it's interactive. And, um, to me, that's the next level of where, uh, where this is going to go. And it's to me, I'm just a point on the curve for me. You know, I, I expect the next few years to be um, places where I can't even imagine right now. And I'm very open to the experience and, and to the possibilities. And, and that's, you know, that's where I'm at. So, you know, when we have an agreement, there's a little park right next door. Um, you know, I still play on my deck and, and Whitley, I've played on my deck for years, you know, for many years, but never with a specific intent of projecting while I play. 
And I think that's something that can translate to everyone is, you know, I share the very best of who I am. So in the, in the book, I, you know, I go into detail on how you can do it yourself. That's the important part. This is why you're here and why I picked up on you as soon as you, I, I forget how I found you because of, it was Scott Katamas's show. Oh, that's right. Scott Katamas's show. Mm-hmm. And um, a lovely, lovely guy, Scott Katamas. And a um, person. I, because my brief is to make contact work. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm here for. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's actually doing this. He's making contact work. And y- y- there were a few others around, Melinda Leslie, of course, in Sedona. Um, who has been doing this in her own very different way for years successfully, but not quite like you because there's she basically goes out to, to look for and hopes to see objects in the sky and takes tours, and she they usually do. The, the visitors are very accommodating. They're also very plentiful. There's a lot of them out there. and uh, But you do a different thing entirely. This projecting, what, how does that work inside you? What, because if we could learn to do that, there could be a lot of projecting going on around here in this world. And uh, frankly, a lot of people, you know, you're doing it, a few others are doing it, but this particular type of projecting, which you get into in the book very beautifully. That's why I, one of the reasons I wrote a forward to the book, by the way, folks. Uh, tell us about the projecting. And Whitley, I'm so grateful for your beautiful forward in my book. That that just warmed my heart. And, and thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank you. Um, I treat them as family. And so when I go outside, I speak with them. You know, they can't, uh, they're, they're not physically there, but they hear me. And I tell them, you know, things that, that, uh, are going on in my life recently. I had some serious health issues uh, driven from COVID and I had two major surgeries and I spoke with them about that. And Whitley, they were just, I mean, there's some videos that I've presented to you for, uh, for this uh, and you can share them any way that you wish, but they, uh, I mean, they came down to treetop level. They, they cross in front of aircraft and, and you know they send this beautiful incredible energy and um so what i do is i when i when i go outside you know i as soon as i walk out the door i look up and i thank them for always being there for me and you know i send my love to them and they send their love to me and it's it's just a, a beautiful experience and and it's so easy that's the thing it's not convoluted it's not uh, it doesn't take hours of meditation or ritual or anything like that. What no, they, it doesn't. They want to know who you are, who you are, and share what's important to you. Share what what really resonates within your own spirit, and project that. And just realize that that we have that innate ability to connect way beyond the locality of of where we are now. It goes deep far to you know that entanglement where you're here doing it and you're also on the other end of the universe doing it and all points in between and all dimensions 
And so I, that's what I see is just this multi-layered uh, ability and just boom, just send it out. And it's, it's instantaneous. And they recognize that and they come back, they're here and, uh, and it's really that simple. Now, when you were ill, one of the things everyone is going to want to know is, did they offer you or help you at all in terms of a cure? Now, I'm using that word specifically, not healing, because healing is different from cure. Healing is, a, is supportive and accept, it's, it's acceptance. Like Annie was healed of her illness but she did not get cured of the brain tumor. She was healed of the, of the struggle and accepted her situation and died a beautiful conscious death. Um, and so did they offer you any kind of cure? Did they help you medically at all? That's the first part I'll ask. Well, and, and I will say mine was not a disease. Mine was physical. I'll just, I'll share you with you what I had. I had, I've had a hiatal hernia. Uh, I worked uh, a very physical job for many, many years. A, a friend of mine's, uh, he teaches at Emory, he teaches uh, uh, Olympic athletes how to improve their nutrition. And he asked me, how did you get a hiatal hernia? Because generally that's just people that lift heavy things. And I worked uh, you know, in construction since I was very small all the way through high school. And I actually, you know, went to college, but then I worked uh, with a transportation company for a few years. And so I was physically doing a lot of work that caused the hiatal hernia. With the COVID, I coughed so much that my stomach popped up over my diaphragm and pressed up against my heart, throwing me into AFib. And so it was lit. I literally had that issue that had to be physically fixed. And so it was a, a pretty major surgery, but it, uh, I feel that they uh, were not, you know, I asked them and I have a video of it. I said, you are welcome to, you know, take care of this before the surgery. And, and they have been there and they've been very supportive. And I think the healing, you know, the, I heal so quickly and completely from it. I think that is a, a large part of uh, the benefit that I received from them. But um, beyond that, it was, you know, it was something that had to be, I was in trouble. I was, you know. I yeah, I know. Well. I was very worried about you. Yeah, but I'm so, I just feel perfectly well, Whitley. I'm so grateful and, and happy to, to be yeah. here today. So good medical uh, support mm -hmm. and good spiritual support. Yes. Exactly. I only know of a very few key cases where people have been cured and everyone wants, Oh, I need a cure. I've got cancer. Well, you know what you have and what we all have and what I was told by the visitors a long time ago, what we have is our fates and mm -hmm. our fate is apparently sort of, part of us, uh, like uh, the color of your skin or the, the, the composition of your blood. And that's your fate is the same way. And no one can, can change your fate. 
but when something is not part of your fate, then maybe it can be changed. And that's why, maybe why there are so few cures. I knew one spectacular cure, a fellow named Morton Downey Jr., who was a shock jock and a very acerbic shock jock in Chicago. And I went on his show and my publicist was saying, oh, he's going to, it's going to be terrible. But like, you know, it, he's a real vicious guy. And I had this wonderful experience with him. He was just as sweet as could be. No, and I thought, well, this is what, what I was expecting. And I said to him I, afterwards, I said, I have to ask you, um, you know, my public, we all thought you were going to do your usual thing with me and you didn't. And he said, well, I didn't. And I'll tell you why. I was driving back to Chicago one night and he had, he had very nice teeth when I knew him. And suddenly a fog came over the road and I had to stop. The next thing I knew, there were these shadows outside and I couldn't get out of the car. And I don't remember much after that. I felt the feeling of being carried somewhere. And when I was put, when I, could move again and the fog lifted. I went home and I went out to brush my teeth. Whitley, I used to look like some kind of a sea monster. I had the worst teeth in the world. They were just awful. And I had these beautiful teeth that I have today. They changed my teeth. They fixed my teeth. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's a cure, but this is all so asymmetrical. And why did it happen to him? Did well, it happen to him so that he would later give me a good shot on his show, which was then very big, instead of attacking me? The same way Johnny Carson and his wife sat on the deck of their beautiful house on overlooking the ocean in Malibu uh, sometime before my appearance there and saw a beautiful silver UFO circling the house at a low altitude. And then he has me on the show, and the publicist is saying, well, he's going to eat you alive. But you know, it's the it's the Tonight Show. You can't say no, and so I went on the show, and he came into the green room beforehand and told me this story, and uh, I thought to myself, "This isn't going to be bad," and it was absolutely wonderful. How wonderful! I have not. They had set it up. They were setting these things up. Yeah. But you know, they're very practical. They're not going to cure anybody without. And need to do so they're not going to interrupt someone's fate in other words no well i i will if i can bring jimmy carter back into this yeah, for please do. Moment. um i played um during the uh during the service at uh the church down in plains i brought my mom with me and and I, afterwards they always take pictures with everyone and we just had a lovely time he said some wonderful things to my mom it's in the book and uh, literally a month later, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And the doctor said, get your, uh, get everything in order because you have maybe three months left to live. And I wrote a letter to President Carter about my mom. And he wrote a letter back to her saying, we are all, I and all of our congregation, congregation are, are going to pray for you. And she went into full remission for almost three years after that. So I know prayer works. And that's uh, that's another thing, Whitley. I think there's there's uh, really no dichotomy between the sacred 
and secular and our star family to me it's all one it's it's all enveloped in this thing that we we call life and it's something that uh i embrace all of it is is i guess what i'm saying we're going to take another short break i'm talking to john martin his new book the universe loves you we'll be right back We're talking to John Martin. You can reach him most easily on the internet, on his YouTube channel. He also often shows up on Wednesday nights on our subscriber chat. We have a lovely chat every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. We've been doing it, oh, my near, nearly 20 years now, every night, every Wednesday night. And John has been a member for the past uh, few years. And... We just have a lovely chat, frankly. It's And so if you are a subscriber and you want to spend a nice hour with some nice people who are many of whom have incredibly fascinating stories in their lives, come to the chat on Wednesday nights. Just log in and go to the chat room and you'll also be able to meet John there. And um, so, and me, I'm often there. I'm usually I could, there. And I could not recommend it more. It is such a great resource, Whitley. And I, it is such a pleasure to, to be able to speak with you each week and, and all the other lovely uh, subscribers there. And I hope it just becomes, a, you know, just blossoms into this really massive thing that which it deserves to be. Well, now, wait a minute. This is never going to be massive. This website is curated by the visitors in very, very subtle ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's had trolls on it before, but they disappear. Uh, sometimes on their own, and sometimes they just wander away. One or two have been, did things like try to get into the back end of the site to harm it, and we banned them. But uh, it's mostly... It's mostly close encounter witnesses. And the thing that's strange about close encounter witnesses is this. We used to have the Dreamland Festival and in, uh, in, uh, in Memphis at the Scarrett Bennett Center. I've always thought about doing it again sometime. Uh, I may. In any case, uh, we would have the Dreamland Festival and about 200 people would really, would generally show up and you know, the first after the first festival, Anne said, you know, they're all so gentle. And I realized, and it was always true. I mean, they were just all such a, such a, they wanted to be together. And there was, and it's like whenever you're with a gr group of close encounter witnesses, nobody wants to say goodbye. We always want to be together. Right. And um, they've selected the people very carefully that, you know, they don't, they, they selected gentle people. And I thought to myself, and yet they selected me. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm a very moderate guy. I haven't, I'm not a, I'm not temperamental and I don't have real strong beliefs about anything. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a very much of a live and let live kind of guy, as I know you are too. And most of us are. The, so the witnesses, when you get them together in a group, it's a, usually a very pleasant time, and um, and I can't uh, I can't uh, argue with them because after all, they are fragile little 
entities. They would want to select people who were not going to be too violent under the circumstances of meeting them, especially for the first time. Well, I think that's kind of the vision of my book, though, is let's just imagine that number of people multiplied by, you know, a million or more, yeah. you know, and then as you said that, you know, the, the size of the universe is so massive, then you bring all of that in and then all of that good energy just takes all of humanity, all of, uh, you know, the challenges that we have and, uh, you know, the resolutions that could be made, uh, you know, the, where the earth can be, you know, a generation from now, if we all do, do our part. And that's another part of why I chose to, uh, write this book is, you know, we can't expect other people to do it. We need to do it ourselves. We need to make that effort, you know, the, instead of watching television for an hour at night, I go out for an hour. It's not a big commitment in my book. You know, I mean, I've spent tens of thousands of hours learning my instrument. So I'm used to committing to do something of, uh, of value and importance and, and this is worthy of that from everyone. That's commitment is very important to this. If you're committed, like we do the sensing exercise at one o'clock uh, Pacific time every afternoon with a group of people. And many of those people are like me. They've been doing it for years and they do it every single day and uh, more, more than once a day. And this is this is the kind of commitment that's needed. It doesn't have to be that. I mean, you know, you can do, John doesn't do it. He's not in the group, uh, but he's committed. Nevertheless, he, every night he's out there trying his best. That commitment is so important. You have to be committed to this, to do it, to, to get their attention. And, and they won't make it necessarily easy. They won't, they won't necessarily show up right away. And people will, you know, try one or two nights and then, oh, nothing happened. Well, I'll and forget about it and go back to the TV. You no, know, we have to realize we're in a consumer society. We expect immediate gratification. That's not how this works. You have to be committed before you get the results. And uh, just realize too that you've put something in place and there's you put, there's an action that's being made and that's recognized in the universe. And so, you know, you may not see a result immediately. And there are times when I go out and I don't see anything, of course, but, but you know, I have my dog with me or uh, it's just a beautiful evening and I enjoy the, you know, the nice cool breeze and the beautiful sky. And uh, more often than not, I do have uh, many interactions, um, but when it doesn't happen, you know, that's totally fine. That is absolutely fine. And just understand it's a process and, and consider it, you know, just something that that is worth all of the effort that you put into it. And it comes back many times, many, many times over. And that's that's what I've found so far. They are not separated from nature in the way that we are. We, we uh, <clears throat> are outside of nature looking in. And one of the things that I've noticed in your work is that you will do it like images of cloud formations and things that people would think, oh, that's just natural. That's uh, uh, 
pareidolia, he's seeing things that aren't really there. Can you tell us why you do these cloud formations and stuff like that? I, Whitley, I call them aeroglyphs. And <clears throat> so when I go back to when the uh, Purple Craft came, uh, I, I kept playing my guitar. And after that, four craft came right over my courtyard, one red and three yellow and two groups of two in a perfect line. And I went in to get my camera. And unlike the first time, they were gone when I came back out. And that's okay. And so I just kept playing my guitar. And a few days later, a beautiful, incredible cross and crescent shaped craft came over my home. They were metallic. They were at a 45 degree angle, the size of office buildings, completely silent, going about five miles an hour. And I can't hear you, Whitley. I'm sorry. When was this in terms of dates? This would be 2013, October the 10th, I believe is the date, 2013. At the height of the conflict between Islam and Christianity. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. and here they come with a crescent and a cross. Cross and a crescent. And just a few months prior to that, there was a cross and crescent uh, crop circle that was laid out in Wilshire, England. And so they were given a, a strong message and then when they were coming over and I had, I was fumbling with my, I had bought a new Canon camera because of, you know, the uh, purple craft that, that I couldn't get on my phone. So I was fumbling with that. And in my mind, they said, please don't take our picture. We'll give you something you can take a picture of. And so I honored that Whitley. I didn't run around the building and take the, you know, try to get a picture of them as they were exiting it was just i was overcome by this incredible uh gift from the universe i mean it was magnificent and so a few days later a friend of mine and i were going to go see gravity and we agreed to meet um walked out my back door and i took a left he lives right uh not in my building but the first house on the other row of townhomes and i heard look over here and when I looked over, there's this beautiful heart-shaped cloud directly over the courtyard, right where the cross and crescent were. And this was on the cover of my book, is the heart-shaped cloud. Right. And I, um, I've received many heart-shaped clouds over the years and uh, many other kinds of, of lovely uh, just showings of, of love and affection. And what's what's very interesting are the hawks that are often around these creations. They, you know, when when the metallic craft come in, the hawks are there. And on many of the pictures that I've uh, included in my book of the aeroglyphs, the hawks are right there as well. They pick up on that energy, you know, because they're soaring all the time. And they see the metallic craft, they see the energies, they see me because they're, they're, there's a roost right behind me at the park up in the pine trees. And so they see me projecting and they see the craft coming in and they recognize that I'm able to see what they see. And so we interact all the time. They're very dear friends of mine. I've got all my hawk feathers here that, uh, that I treasure that, uh, that they, you know, they're just from them being so active around here. And so there's many levels to this, Whitley. There's, you know, nature is involved, uh, higher energies, you know, that 
it's it's really a truly magnificent experience and you know that that's just my own personal story i think they will uh, curate for each person individually you know everybody's story is completely unique just like a, a fingerprint our lives are incredibly uh unique in every way and that's what you share with the universe share who you are share what's important to you and know that you have that right to share and and experience something beyond this realm and when you make that realization they meet you very easily and like you said the the cross and the crescent with the heart is you know there should be a coming together of these two major religions in this country that are in this world i mean that uh you know all this fighting and and destruction needs to stop and that was a lovely really incredible message from uh from our star family to have craft in those shapes and there's many cross and crescent shaped uh, uh crop circles and i have a number of them in my book so i try you know i'm trying to bring all the disparate elements together to try to make a narrative out of it uh within the book itself and, and that's you know that was really the the main thrust is you know just have a through line through the entire book of uh you know how it connects to all of us because you know my story is not that important it's the story it's the fact that we all can do it and we can all bring our own really great positive energies to this very important mission for mankind in the book you have a thought experiment and i think it's quite important that people understand exactly what you did and do so could you describe it for us perhaps a little bit mm -hmm. I, the thought experiment was um if i could take my music something that i care very much about and share it with the universe and it, with that would i get some kind of reaction because at that point i it was just literally a thought experiment if you know i wanted to see if perhaps if i did that there would be some kind of uh, reaction from the universe i didn't know what it would be and the first one was the pink and, you know, in the book, there, John, John yeah. we're having a, a uh, we had a dropout. Okay. Let's, let's see if it comes back. Is it dropping from my end or your end? Well, I you can't know? tell. It's probably in the internet backbone. Um, the, the, this is every summer. It's like this. It's nothing new. Uh, hmm. the, it, for whatever reason somewhere along the line there's a server farm that's overheating that's uh, what's happening and um surprised by that yeah wow yeah there's <clears throat> nothing we can do about it i mean i can um, if you need to redo anything that's fine well no that's we don't need to redo it but i just want you to go back and say what you were just just saying a moment ago because we couldn't hear it okay so the thought experiment was um after I had my dinner with President Carter uh, in Toledo, Spain, where we spoke of UFOs, I took that lovely experience. And then the idea of close encounters of the third kind, where 
music was used as a communication tool, I put those two ideas together. And I thought, well, if I, if I were to get this music that I've loved my whole life, and I were to sit out on my deck, as I've done it for years, but not with this uh, mind frame. And so if I do this and I send it deep into the universe as I'm playing, so it's they carry together into other realms. And I wondered if there would be any sort of reaction or uh, from the universe. And it was immediate and it was beautiful and it was incredible. And it's been going on to this day. You know, I don't, when I'm at the park, you know, I'm busy filming, so I can't really play, but I play in my mind. Musicians have music in their minds all the time. So when I'm walking my dog or just outside, music is, is continually playing through my mind and that's being sent. And I also speak specifically to them. That's, that's one thing I, I don't think people do as much as, as they should. Is No, they sit and wait. Passive. Right. You can't be passive and do this. You have to be proactive. I, every time I'm outside, I, I talk to our star family. You know, I thank them for being here last night. I, I, I'm trying different ideas, Whitley. I, I bought a drone, so I, I took the test so that I could be uh, legally able to take this. It's a little hand-sized drone, and I put it up uh, about 300 feet up by a star. So a couple nights ago, uh, it was, um, well, normally it's Deneb, but uh, it was Vega a couple nights ago. And they will come between the rotors of the drone right behind it. And I've got videos of them to it, you know, coming right between the blades of these tiny, this tiny drone at 300 feet in the air. And, you know, so now I think they must think it's quaint that I'm trying something like that. But yeah. um, <laughs> there's, I mean, they're very, you know, interactive and, you know, they'll stage themselves. Uh, they they put on these incredible demonstrations you know there's many different kinds of craft that come from uh the really bright uh plasma type craft to there's a winged craft that comes that's really fast he, hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour and he will come the first time he came uh the video i sent to you whitley i said i'm just filming randomly, but it's never random as a dear friend. And it popped right into the frame, stopped, took a right, and did all of these incredible aerobatics. Uh, and it was just amazing to come back many times. They come in formations. They uh, There was a chevron of like 30 of them. I, what I do is I set up, um, at this point, I had a, a Sony A7S III. I'll show you my equipment in a little bit. I've got it here, but... I put it on a uh, tripod and I just set it up and I'll have a constellation of intention for the night. And it was Cassiopeia and this incredible um, chevron of like 30 craft flew right through the constellation. And then they came back the next night. There was about 15 of them and they came in and then they made a human shape, Whitley. Yeah, it's in the video I sent to you, and then it went back to the Chevron, and it was gone. So, um, you know, intelligent control, absolutely. And, you know, interactions, you bet. And we all can do it. That's that's the main thrust of what I want to share with your viewers, is every one of us have has this ability to go out 
and interact with something that is so positive and beautiful. There's a, a man in, um, in San Antonio, John Keaton, Ryan Keaton, rather, who is, uh, uh, has been on Dreamland with uh, his friend, John Bro Wilkie. And Ryan goes out at night and uh, does live UFO spotting on his uh, Facebook page. Very cool. Yeah. And very few people show up. They don't seem to care. And this gets me to the situation. And I'm, I'm going to broaden this out dramatically now because it's about time to do this. But before we do that, free Dreamlanders, here's a, another break for you to enjoy. What is happening in the world now? Oh, before I go on, I want to rem rem I remind myself, I should have said that we're talking uh, to John Martin, his book, The Universe Loves You. Uh, you can find John on YouTube. And what I want to talk about now, and to broaden this out a little bit, is the <clears throat> passivity of so many people. They just are completely inert. Like there's whole there's a, there's some of these paid pay for, paid uh, uh, things where you go and you have a CE five contact experience and sometimes it works, but the problem is there's no preparation. People just sit there passively watching, mm -hmm. and you're not passive. You bring yourself as you are to your experiences. And in our culture, people are taught from early childhood that this is a fallen world and we were born sinners and so forth. They have a tendency to want to hide themselves, even, even if it is uh, none of that's true of them. But you don't have that tendency. You're willing to bear your soul. And what advice can you give to people to help them just to open themselves up to something that can see inside them? I think the biggest uh, initial hurdle is speaking directly to the universe out loud. I, I introduced myself, and I still do it, to the unit. Hi, this is John Martin, the guitarist that's played for you many times. I'm friends awesome. with, with Whitley Strieber and... Uh, uh, you know, I have a large litany of people that are very important to me, Scott Katamas and Alan Steinfeld and so, so many others. And um, I would so love to see you tonight. And, you know, and I, what I do then is I begin playing the music in my mind. Um, you know, it'll be a Bach prelude or, or an original piece. And then I, I just project that. And it, it doesn't take long at all. And so the thing is, uh, and I agree with you about um, the CE5s that uh, these paid events, you know, I've, I think initially it might be good for people if, it, if they're a little concerned about doing it on their own initially. It's a process. I'll agree with that. But just realize that you have the sovereignty within yourself. You don't have to, have to rely on another person to make this happen. You can do it yourself. We all have that agency within us to share who we are. Because, Willie, just think about how unique every living being, every, literally every living being on this planet is compared to the vastness of just our solar system alone. 
Yes. We, we are, you know, we're alive and we're sentient and we're here and we care and we're willing to share who we are. And they think that's really fantastic. And, and it's, it's honored. And that's what, that's what I'm, that's what my book, the, the main thrust of it is, you know, realize how incredibly important you are to the universe. And Whitley, I was thinking about the name of the book. I was thinking the loving universe. And they said, no, this is very clearly in my mind. It's the universe loves you. You know what the name of it is. And that's the name. And so that's what I, that's what I called it. And I, I you know, I think that's, that encapsulates really what, what they want all of us to know is that we're loved and cared about and, and, and we can rise beyond this very, very difficult third dimensional world that we're in right now. And, you know, we can make a better place for all of us. And then, you know, this larger community can come in and what a wonderful day that will be. We're in a situation in the world where the weather, it, the climate is getting away from us very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And uh, many people have believed the stories and the, the false statements, basically, that climate change wasn't real and global warming wasn't happening. And that is obviously not true. I mean, no one can deny it now with a tremendous heat wave that stretches it from Arizona to to Turkey across and only only the strip of land on the west coast of the United States and the British Isles are immune from it so far the rest of the northern hemisphere is burning yeah. and um, how do we do we ask for help what do we do now because you've you've talked so far about a very personal experience and an extremely personal relationship. Can we perhaps somehow band together and ask this extraordinary universe in which we find ourselves that hey, we are sending sentient beings. We are living on this little blue dot down here, out in the middle of nowhere. We have no place to go. We cannot leave but we cannot stay either, not the way it's going. And we can't seem to correct it on our own. We, we fight and fight and we don't get anywhere. Can you help us? Can we band together uh, all, all of the Dreamlanders, and, and for example, and do this as a group under, under your leadership, perhaps? That's right. Well, you know, I think that's, that's been the challenge is, you know, we're all, we all think of ourselves as individuals as opposed as a collective. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, I feel sure they have offered many um, solutions that have been sequestered and, you know, tried to convert to something that would destroy instead of create. And, so, um, you know, that's, that's well. That's what the whole secret government is about. It's about transforming their, their technology and their power into weapons of extreme 
ugliness. Exactly. I know a lot about that. I know too much about it. Go ahead. Well, I mean, that's where that's the dichotomy we're working with is, you know, how do you sequester that very negative, very dangerous element out of something that could benefit everyone, benefit, you know, the the earth itself? How do you know, how do you do that? And that that's the challenge. And you can almost hear, you know, these higher dimension you know, these beings that are so far beyond us, you know, they, they must be, you know, that, that must be a, a challenge for them to think what, how do we help them without killing them? And yeah, well, you know, in my experience with the visitors, I have been doing this with them for a long, long time now. And I have begged for overt open support. And that somehow isn't what it's about. Uh, I do think that we may be able to do something like create thought forms that really do make a difference, that matter immensely, and that that, that the husband, the the uh, care of our planet, could be placed in our hands in a way that's very, very different from what we've understood, but not if there's no human community. Because there's a human community that is divided against itself. It was known according to when I was uh, back in the 90s, I used to go to the World Affairs Conference in um, at the University of Colorado every year. I've, I've been, and I met, the former head, he was the president of emeritus of NOAA, of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Walter Orr Roberts. And Dr. Roberts said to me then that he said, we've known since the 1980s that this planet is going to overheat in about 25 or 30 years, and there's going to be no stopping it if it's not stopped now. And instead of going after this obvious problem, it was turned into a debate. So we'd waste our time. Yeah. It's almost as if, and you know, these oil companies, they're to blame for this. They did this. Absolutely. But what did they really do? Because they're not saying we want to preserve our company's profits only. They're saying we want to preserve our company's profits even if it causes the extinction of mankind. Right. So what are they really saying? They're saying we serve the dark side. We want to cause the extinction of mankind. That's what's behind it. How do we get past the weight of energy like that, John? The phrase that, that they've given me was late stage malignant capitalism. Is what, oh, wow. And that's, that's what we're dealing with here. And but that phrase you said is going to set off people and make their backs go up. But what do we do to survive? Because yeah. we're not going to the way we are going now. I mean, they used to say a hundred years from now, we may have an issue with, you know, with our climate. No, it's. Well, yeah, no one believes Superstorm. Instead, they believe the, 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 the slow thing, the, uh, uh, where it would happen very gradually. 
they but superstorm is the truth yeah my book and yeah so when will the freeze happen i guess is you know well not many of us will be around to see that yeah because the 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 It'll be burned out first well, I, yeah, one of the reasons the freeze happens is that there's no more carbon dioxide being into the atmosphere. And that would be because there's no one there to it, it emit it. Wow. I could play well, some gonna... guitar for you, I guess. What? <laughs> I could play some guitar for you. That's better. Well, <laughs> when you say that, that's exactly what we need to do. We can't, we can't, uh, we cannot beat the dark side. What we can do is empower the light in ourselves. Exactly. And free dreamlanders, I'm, I'm going to leave you with that. Empower the light within yourself. Yeah. One, one little way to do it is to join the website for goodness sakes. And because there's a lot of people trying to do that in this website and, uh, uh, so thank you for being with us and subscribers will keep right on. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the community of experiencers and maybe a next step for us as a group, uh, what, what we might be able to do to really embrace the needs of our planet. So free dreamlanders. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Subscribers will keep on keeping on. We're talking to John Martin, his new book, The Universe Loves You. His, you can get all of his videos on his YouTube channel. It's a beautiful YouTube channel. Just how do we get to it again, John? Uh, John Martin, UFO and ET Intelligences. Okay. I, I always ask the, the uh, guest now, as I read a study that uh, in a podcaster forum, that showed that if you if the guest gives their information, it gets far more response than if the podcaster, the host, does because everyone's listening. Listen, li, they're, the the host's words are going in one ear and out the other because they hear the host every week, but the guest is being very carefully attended to. That's amazing. That, yeah. It makes sense, I guess, in some way. It does, exactly. And so that's uh, that's why I've started doing it. Um, so we have a situation where something has to be done. We have to try. And I'll tell you what worries me about it. What worries me about it is we get a group together of maybe hundreds or even thousands of people, and we all try. And nothing happens, nothing changes. That is so disempowering and it creates despair. And it's a real danger because the changes are often very subtle. And I want you to go back in your life to a time when before you were doing any of this. And what caused you to go out on and, and start asking for signs in the first place when you saw the thing with your wife over the house? What was happening in your mind before that? I'm, I've always been intrigued by 
the thought of other realms and you know ufos i mean the whole this whole world has been something that's been of great interest to me and i'm not sure exactly sure why that that is but it has been and um you know i with my music i you know i try to concentrate on things that you know the pieces that i integrate into into my repertoire are things that are of great interest that I feel or have great beauty to them. And so I'm kind of, um, I gravitate towards those kinds of things. And so there's an elegance and a beauty to uh, my, my idea of the realms that we don't um john we're having a dropout again let's wait a moment and then you can go on okay okay let's try again uh the the idea of other realms has always been of great interest to me going you know way back when when i was very small uh, my dad was a mathematician, so we always had, uh, you know, a lot of higher learning in the house, and there was always music. My brother's a concert pianist, so, you know, there was that. Um, there was also a lot of challenges that I go into in the book that was kind of driven by uh, this this um, this field as well. I, I, my dad never talked about it, but I know he was a part of many secret projects uh, that entailed um, many aspects of you know he would on his resume he in the 60s he he worked on stress elements of uh, hypersonic aircraft he worked on the uh, the disc-shaped craft that looked like a UFO we had you know, we had <laughs> he worked on that the, and that's in his his uh, his resume. So he was he was an insider. In fact, in fact, he absolutely was an insider. Well, that's why you're. That's why they they know you. I think so. I think so. Yeah, and, I think so. Too. And the you know, the project that they wanted me to get into, you know, he's we went on the tour of Lockheed, and. Uh, there was a big black curtain in the hangar and the man picked it up the bottom of the curtain and said this is skunk works do you want to see what we do and he dropped it right when i went to look down and laughed and i don't remember anything after our tour beyond that and my dad quit lockheed within a week or two after that and really do you know why what happened i think there was a project that they wanted to put me into as an eight-year-old uh boy you were eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what's going on. I I was in that. Yeah. As a little boy, it and it was very very challenging. I, I wish I could say more about it, but uh, all I really remember directly is a lot of noise and mainly the terrible fear that came afterwards and. It was so stressful that my immune system collapsed and I had to be isolated and at the age of seven and couldn't go to school 
and uh, was put into uh, uh, had gamma globulin shots being given to me at Burke General Hospital in San Antonio. And I remember that vividly because they weren't used to having a little tiny thin boy with very thin little boy. It was very thin. And one time the doctor put the needle through my arm uh. and sprayed the gamma globulin into uh, onto my chest. My goodness. Yeah. We're just a little fella. I was a little fella, yeah. And they they had no business taking a little guy like that or like you or like the others I know who have been in this and and stressing them out as badly as they did. That's that's a terrible thing. And you know, that's these are all things that are um just hushed up by our government. And that's part yeah. of what disclosure is, you know. I mean, well, I hope it. I hope it happens. The disclosure. I have grave doubts about it, because I think that, as I said earlier, the Defense Department will do essentially anything to prevent it from happening. Um, and the reason is it's existential, especially for the Air Force, because the fact is that there were a lot of the abductions occurred, and the Air Force wasn't able to stop it. And instead of, of uh, uh, admitting that they use social engineering techniques to make the close encounter witnesses pariahs. Yeah. And that was illegal, actionable, and incredibly evil. And, you know, once you start doing things, dark things, evil things, you belong to something else entirely. Exactly, and these military people who are keeping these secrets, people in the in the defense industry keeping the secrets, you know, they're they're trapped souls. Mm -hmm. How would we free a trapped soul? Do you have any ideas? My goodness, I think just confession. I think is is a big, you know. Uh, antidote to so much of this if you, this is what happened this is why it happened and you know, yes. we'll, and it won't happen again and and let's find out what the positive aspect surely it can't all be negative surely there's some benefit that all of this pain and suffering has caused i don't know what it would be necessarily but um that's well, that's that's a very interesting idea there's probably a lot of benefit in fact to tell you the truth, I already know of some. I think that ultra-durable metals have been evolved out of some of the metallic debris that we've collected and are now in use in uh, medical prosthetics. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that, that has happened. And there's probably other things that have happened that I don't know about. But So it's not all bad. It's just that... Um, it's just that there, frankly, too much of it is militarized, and, and that's not helping anybody. Yeah, I mean, is there any way to have a monetary system in place when you have a technology that could negate the very rich? Because everybody would have access to something that could change the world. I mean, would that would that yeah. change the very fabric of society? That's an awfully good question. And I think that's a great fear on the inside that 
the individual will be so dangerously empowered that it's not a matter of people running around with guns and doing crazy things. It's a fear of people being able to do destructive things with their thoughts. Yeah. That they, they might make, it might make the individual too powerful and the individual is not ready for that. And that's a very, very serious argument to say, oh, people are ready. They, they might be ready to know these things, but they are not ready to use the tools that may become available to them by knowing it. I mean, would there be a way to sequester certain elements of these new technologies so that they could only be used for the benefit of humanity? And, and then I don't know how you would sequester something that has limitless power. I mean, uh, the answer is you can't, but at the same time, they're here. They did it. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here and they wouldn't be like they are. Exactly. They did it. Therefore, I, it's possible. I see these craft all the time. There's no oil in there, there's no nuclear no. rods. They, these are, no. this is something that is well beyond. And you know, they probably had to deal with things we can't even imagine that must have been, you know, world destroying technologies that they've that they've mastered also. Right. So, so imagine the benefit, Whitley, if we could, you know, if we could share that in a positive and loving and caring way for all of humanity, and then then we can just blossom out into where we should be by now. I mean, if they hadn't sequestered all of this for the last century, don't you imagine we would be in such better, better shape right now? Oh yeah, we would be. Um, well, the dark side at work, uh, see this thing and think, let's make a weapon out of this. Let's keep it all hidden and secret. So our enemies don't get the weapon and we can prevail. That's the dark side. That's the dark side tempting innocent undeveloped souls into doing things that were foolish and now we have to pay the consequences because we're sitting here on a dying planet and we have no uh access to this the i'm not going to say technologies but rather to the energetic presence behind those technologies that could help us free ourselves from from the catastrophe that's unfolding and I would say that is the benefit of the individual who is not tied to the military, who's, yes. who's a citizen experiencer, who comes at this in a positive and loving way and is open to the benefits of what this could bring to to not themselves personally, but to to this world and just share it, you know, openly. And and the experience, I think, would just elevate all aspects of, of our society. And that that's another reason why I wrote the book, Whitley. So, you know. Because the book, the book speaks to this so eloquently. That's why I brought it up. Well, thank you. That's, to me, that's, that's the whole thrust of it is, you know, we have the ability. We, you know, we are all uh, sovereign beings and we have the right and the ability and the innate gift to interact in a positive and loving way with something well beyond this realm. And, you know, that if, if people 
take that to heart and they go out and uh, share themselves to the universe and they have a lovely reaction and it's a life-changing event for them has been for me then i feel like the book has has been a success well i think i think it i think the book works very well and um um you know if you can i would like to end this show we've got about 15 minutes left by taking us into a another state of mind and then for you to play your guitar for us while we're we're in that state absolutely okay what we're going to do is folks uh and many of you know this we're going to do the sensing exercise of course wonderful and let me explain just for those who've never done it before or don't know what it does the attention human attention is very sacred it is the only attention that can be get get that can be mastered by the individual who possesses it the, and this is normally like right now you're listening to this watching it your attention goes out into the world around you but you can keep part of your attention in yourself and this is very strengthening it leads to in two directions it leads to an ability to eventually see yourself as if from the outside and then later the extraordinary ability to remember who you really are and to live from the immensely beautiful and poignant long time of your own soul. Uh, so let's do it together, John. You close your eyes and folks close your eyes. We take our attention in hand. We take our attention to our bodies. We go to a concentrate our attention on our right leg, right arm, left leg, and left arm. Our arms and our legs together. Now our torso from the base of the body all the way up to the shoulders. And now we include our head. Some of us can feel the crown of the head. Some can perhaps feel the little tension of the third eye between, in the forehead, between the physical eyes. So we get into this state where our bodies are partly receiving our attention. Now we take our attention and we form in our spine a column of light that we send down into the very core of our planet. We send it filled with love and gratitude. And now we expand this column of light out into the universe, giving our love to whomever wishes to receive it. We concentrate our attention on our bodies. And John, it's time for you to do a little work for us.
John, I want to thank you very much for being with us. I want to thank you very much for being with us. And it was a beautiful show. I hope it had a lot of good energy, the kind of energy that you project every night of your life into the universe. You give everyone a feeling of just how to do that yourself, to bring what is best in you to what is best in this universe. And there's a lot of both things. John Martin, The Universe Loves You, available on, on Amazon.com. Give him a review if you love the book. And, of course, go to his YouTube channel. So great to be with you today, Whitley. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.